0: Pelvic Rehab Research Podcast. My name is Becca Bissadolshensky, and I'll be your host guiding you as we take a deep dive into all things pelvic floor and research-based. Whether you're a pelvic newbie or a seasoned clinician, I'm here to help busy therapists listen through the Women's Health Study Guide. So if you're studying for the Women's Certified Specialist exam or just interested in learning more about pelvic health research, we've got you covered. Hey, everyone, and welcome back This is the last article in week one, so you're almost done with all of the research articles in week one. That's pretty cool. So this one is the vitamin D status and muscle function in post adolescent girls. This was written by Kate Ward, Judah Das, Jacqueline Barry, Stephen A. Roberts, Raina Rohr, Judith Adams, and Zulf Magal. So this study took place in the UK as there was a resurgence of vitamin D deficiency amongst infants, toddlers, and adolescents. They were specifically looking at 25 hydroxy vitamin D levels. Extremely low levels of 25 hydroxy vitamin D can cause nonspecific limb pain, lower limb and pelvic deformities, tetany and convulsions. If you're not familiar, tetany is a condition with intermittent muscular spasms, which is caused by a malfunction of the parathyroid gland and is a consequent deficiency of calcium as well. So another side effect of low vitamin D levels is myopathy, which is what this article focused on. Vitamin D deficiency-related myopathy is primarily in proximal muscles, and it would make sense that children with low levels of vitamin D with myopathy would be less inclined to participate in things like sports and exercise-related activities. The researchers were interested in seeing how chronic vitamin D deficiency may affect skeletal development and optimal muscle action. The research used jumping mechanography, which I'm going to call JM from here on out, for both your sake and mine. Um, So that's a way to measure muscle force and power by deriving measurements from a participant's ground force reactions. So JM was found to have less short-term error, was less influenced by learning effects, and had the most inter-individual variation of the other methods that they had tried to use to determine muscle force. They used other methods like chair rising and the timed up and go test. So the study chose to use JM to determine effects of vitamin D status reflected by the 25 hydroxy vitamin D serum. So that's the serum that they choose to use to look at vitamin D, but realize there's a bunch of different types of vitamin D. They just chose to look at that one. They also looked at into serum PTH as vitamin D deficiency can lead to secondary hyperparathyroidism, as I mentioned a little bit earlier before regarding tetany and the adrenal impact on the parathyroid glands. Their hypothesis was that the baseline serum of 25-hydrooxyvitamin D would be positively related to muscle power and force measured by JM, as well as that PTH concentration that would be negatively related to muscle power and force. So we're going to think high vitamin D levels, low PTH would equal high muscle force and power, and then vice versa. Participants were all school-aged girls from ages 12 to 14. Inclusion criteria included post no deformities related to jumping, and no chronic childhood conditions. This high school was chosen specifically as there was a high level of non symptomatic vitamin D deficiency within the school system, which was more than 70%. And I just want to highlight that this was in the UK. Um, and it's really cloudy in the UK. So I actually was like secretly wondering if it's weather dependent, but that's not a part of this article. So. I always love learning more about the participants, so here's some more details about them. There was 99 girls, and of those 99 girls, 68% were South Asian origin, 12% were British black, and 20% were white and Caucasian. So what we know about these girls is that none of the girls selected had any signs or symptoms of low vitamin D deficiency, but their school district had that high level of 70% experiencing the low levels of vitamin D deficiency without any symptoms. So the mean age was 13 and a half, The mean height was 5 foot 1 inches with a standard deviation of 6.42. The average weight was 126 pounds with a standard deviation of 11.7, and the BMI was 23. If you're like me and you haven't memorized a British BMI scale, 23 is the high end of normal and the normal range is between 18.5 and 25. So JM, that's peak jump power, jump height, and velocity that were being measured using a force platform. So the participants performed three maximum jumps. Their arms were moving freely. They used two feet and they were instructed to jump as high as possible. They had 60 seconds to kind of rest between each jump. Then the participants were also asked to perform a single leg jump where they were instructed to hop as fast and as hard as possible, landing only on the forefoot using their dominant leg. They performed three sets of the single leg jump and the one with the highest force was selected. So they took the girls non-fasting blood samples at the same time as the jumping test and they were looking at those previously stated vitamin d serum and the pth levels the researchers took into consideration that body weight is going to affect jumping parameters as it affects the mass that is being moved so they utilized simple normalization and the data was adjusted by adding a weight function to the regression model so what did they find with the vitamin D levels and the PTH levels? They found that vitamin D levels had a positive relationship with velocity, jump height, power, and force after the corrections for weight. It showed that PTH showed smaller effects than what was seen in vitamin D levels, and it didn't reach statistical significance. There was a very small negative relationship noted, though, which was what they predicted. They noted that vitamin D and PTH was unchanged if they controlled for BMI and height, which suggests that the mechanism of action is independent of both growth and obesity. They noted that body height was positively correlated with jumping height and power, which isn't much of an aha moment, but it was noted in the study. Some further discussion and key points of the article that I think are important. This data determined that in a group of asymptomatic post adolescents, vitamin D was positively related to muscle power, force, velocity, jump height, and PTH had a lesser effect. The girls in the study were noted to have less force in relation to their body weight as compared to normal circumstances. So this is important, since forces that are generated by muscles play a role in bone development and would then not maximally be loaded and affect maximal peak bone strength. This article also discussed Gower sign, which is when a patient has to use their hands and arms to walk up on their own body from a squatting position due to the lack of hip and thigh muscle strength. They found that jumping appears to be more sensitive in detecting subclinical myopathy of proximal muscle strength than Gower sign, which I think makes sense. I mean, if someone's showing subclinical weakness by decreased jumping, I would think that would be a more sensitive test than someone who's outwardly showing weakness and inability to push up, you know, without using their hands. The main limitations of this study include that it was cross-sectional and that they're unable to establish the temporal nature of the relationships that were described. They weren't able to exclude the effect of BMI and height from the study, but they were able to adjust for its effect. Additionally, they didn't utilize the biologically active form of vitamin D, which is called 1, 2, 5 oxy vitamin d Um, like i mentioned there's a bunch of different types of vitamin d's so although they noted that others have reported that that 25 hydroxy vitamin d which they used was appropriate for the study of muscle So in conclusion, vitamin D is significantly associated with muscle power and force, especially in adolescent girls. The suboptimal muscle function found in chronic vitamin deficiency can play a role not only on muscle function, but on long-term bone development, which would indicate for further studies. All right, that's week one. As long as you've read the Arian chapters, these are all of the articles. And then next week is week two, which is female athlete. The first article is Matola, 2006 on VO2 peak prediction and exercise prescription for pregnant women. I'm going to end every week with a bad joke. So this week's bad joke is what happens when you claim an island by peeing on it? Urination. Because what's pelvic PT without bad jokes, right? All right. Thank you again for joining me, everybody. And I look forward to you guys listening for week two. Bye.